series, the message is titled Kool-Aid. Uh, this is my last sermon in the series. Pastor Joe's going to wrap it up next week studying, uh, looking at the issue of pornography. I will tell you in staff meeting we were talking about uh, either he or Clayton would speak on it and he just got real excited and he said, I would love to speak about it. I have a passion for pornography. So I'm not sure what you're going to get next Sunday, but he's got a passion for pornography, all right? Uh, but I want to talk to you today about homosexuality. And I want you to have a pen and a piece of paper ready. In fact, at the end of the service, uh, Scott Wigginton will have an orange paper that looks like this. And it has websites and books that I've read in preparation for this series. Uh, scriptures that specifically deal with homosexuality from the King James. And the reason I got it is because it was then the, the tidiest cut and paste website that I could just click and copy and paste, but whatever version you like is fine. Today we're going to talk about homosexuality, and you bring up the subject anywhere and you kind of get pushed back. People get uneasy, especially with the United States Supreme Court that ruled now that sexual behavior can be a validation for being a minority status in the United States of America. Isn't that interesting? I guess we're going to start making a minority status for adulterers and pedophiles. I mean, if the logic holds true. But understand, we don't like to talk about this issue. Maybe we know somebody. By the way, Americans think that 26 to 28 percent of Americans are gay, lesbian, transgender, or uh, bisexual. Uh, The fact of the matter is 3.4 to 3.8 percent of the American population is that. Uh, we just think there's a whole lot more out them than what there are because it is driven down literally to us, presented to us by the culture. And we just keep drinking the Kool-Aid of the culture about this issue of homosexuality. And so I think there's different ways to respond to this topic of homosexuality. Some people are going to respond with ambivalence. Some people are just going to kind of say, you know, it is what it is and what people do in the privacy of their own home. It's their own thing and it's not hurting me. What's the big deal? Let people do what they do. Other people are going to be silent. And what I mean by silent is that there are some who may have a leaning and attraction to the same sex. You don't know what to do with it, but it's your secret. Maybe you've been spurred on by an inappropriate conversation, inappropriate imagery on whatever screen or media form you happen to have, whatever, maybe something in your past kind of spurred it on, whatever you saw, you heard something that may have planted a seed of doubt concerning your sexual orientation, and now you don't know what to do with it, and so you're silent, it's your secret. If that's you, I want to thank you for coming, and I want you to keep coming to Kirby Church, because this is not a perfect church, amen? We are a perfect church. For imperfect people, right? Because nobody is perfect here at Kirby Church. Others are going to be defiant. Others already have their position kind of entranced and and you're looking for how hard I preach against it today or if I'm soft, you're, you're looking for who's for, who's against. There's some that are poised to pounce on anything I say and the fact that now this goes out on internet and all of that, Twitter, Facebook, I don't know all those things. But I understand some things will be taken totally out of context. I understand that. And I'm aware that some of you are in pain because maybe you are 
have had some of those attractions, or maybe you have someone, a loved one, someone you care deeply about who has that same issue going on in their life. And so I ask that you don't necessarily be defensive, but that you be open to what God's word and let God's word speak to your heart. So you have to understand that all of us, irregardless of how long you've been saved or how long you've been a sinner, all of us are irrationally loved by the God of this universe. He absolutely loves everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if any sinner, any sinner who's committed any sin would believe in him, they would not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? So we believe that God loves us irrationally, and so the scriptures tell us to speak the truth in love. And here at Kirby Church, we love people because God loves people, and we want to follow Christ's example. I mean, if you follow the life of Jesus Christ just through the Gospel of John, you get to John chapter 1. He spoke the truth in love. You go to John chapter 2, he spoke the truth in love. You go to John 3, 4, 5, I mean, different strata and gatherings and groups of people. He spoke the truth in love, and that's what we are commanded. That's what we are compelled to do. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, the love of God constrains me. He said, I say what I say, and I I teach what I teach, and I preach what I preach, and my motivation is the love of God. And so when you talk about the truth, you have to talk about love. And when you talk about love, you have to talk about truth. Again, the Bible is God revealed truth to us. It's the truth we proclaim. It is rarely politically correct, but it is always correct and true and given in love. There's one other group I want to just kind of throw out there. There's others who are going to be reliant. And this group just probably irks me maybe a little bit more than the others. All right, this is, this is the group that says, Pastor Mike, I rely on what God says about it. I haven't really studied it, but I know it's in there, and I'm just again it, and I'm just, preach on, brother. Listen, in our culture today, We live in a very sophisticated time in a sophisticated culture here in America. Will you amen that? And you cannot remain ignorant of God's word in an era of cultural sophistication. But the people who are reliant on, on, you know, well, it's in there, Pastor, and I believe it is what it says it is, and that's fine... That's good to say, however, folks, we got to think. Jesus does not want you to check your intelligence out at the door. And when you come into Kirby Church, we have to think and we have to know why we believe certain things. Not only about the issue of gay marriage, but also a wide range of other cultural issues that affect us every day. Biblically illiterate and clueless believers not knowing their theology will hurt the cause of Christ. Did you hear me? Biblically illiterate, theologically clueless believers not knowing our theology will ultimately hurt the cause of Christ. You know what I love about reporters? 
is anytime there's a protest, Christians on one side, people upholding moral value, and then people who are against kind of what scripture stands for, they will go to the most articulate and well-groomed and best-dressed guy on, on the side that we may not agree with, and they'll put a microphone in front of him. Then they'll go to the, to the other side, and they'll look for the guy who looks to be like the ignorant guy who just got off the back of a bus. I got nothing against buses, but you know what I'm saying. And they stick a microphone in him or her, and they sound absolutely clueless. Now, I think they know what they're doing. I mean, they, they are intelligent people who, uh, who stand against and, and stand for God's word, but I'm just simply saying, church, in the age and the cultural sophistication we live in, you have to know the scriptures. Now, let me just kind of, as a backdrop, start in my part in this with where I started. I want you to know two things about Kirby Church, and this kind of all started back at the end of June. I want you to know two things about at Kirby Church. It's true of our church's history. It's true of my pastorate. It is true of us today. We believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ. We believe that he is sovereign over everything. We believe that we just don't praise him and bow down to him from 9.30 to 10.30 on Sunday morning. I am going to go long today. But we, we don't just bow down to him during that hour. We give him praise and honor and glory. And we give him the right to be Lord, the CEO, the boss of our life in every area of our life. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is a good man. No, it says that Jesus is Lord. That upholds his sovereignty and his right to rule in my life. The second thing I want you to know is that the Bible, the word of God, is our final authority. The Bible... The Word of God is our final authority, not court rulings, not laws passed by Congress, but the Bible is our final authority. It is our rule of faith and practice. The Bible is our standard. So when we have a question, we don't take a poll or a consensus. We start looking at what the Bible says and how its principles are to be lived out in our life. We start with what the scriptures say. We are under the authority of God's word. No one does it perfectly. I'm not, you don't. But the Bible is God's word to us and it is the basis of our church. Now turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. These are the words of Jesus Christ, the Lord. He says this. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 4. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and a mother hold fast to his wife, leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so that they are no longer two but one flesh and what therefore God has joined together let no man separate did you get it 
Now, what I would like for you to do is I would like you to circle this verse in your Bible. I mean, highlight it. Your Bible ought to be marked up, messed up from all the reading and notes and stuff you've put in it. If you've got a smartphone Bible and, and that kind of thing, man, put it in there and, and highlight it and make some, some notes on its reference. But understand, God made us uniquely male and female because it reflects not who we are, but it reflects who he is. He made us male and female so that the two can become one flesh. That's the math of marriage. Two become one. And when the masculine is joined together with the feminine, it's a picture of Jesus Christ and God's relationship to his people. Jesus is called the bridegroom. The believers of Jesus Christ are called the bride. It pictures God's relationship with his people. Listen, the marriage relationship between a man and a woman is the only relationship that reflects the majesty of God's relationship with his people. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, he's talking about husbands love your wives. We talked about this several weeks ago. Husbands love your wives. Wives honor your husbands. Husbands love your wives. Wives, honor your husbands, love and honor, love and honor, love and honor. And then you get down around verse 31, 32. He says, wait a minute, I'm not talking about your marriage. I'm talking about something grander. I'm talking about something more majestic. I'm talking about the relationship with a holy God with his followers. And so when we talk about marriage, it's set in the grander scheme of God's redemptive purposes because it is a visible demonstration of God's love for his people. Got it? Seven times in the Bible, three times in the old, and I threw in Genesis 19, four times in the new, the Bible says turn away, flee homosexuality, turn from it, flee from it. If you jump on any website, you'll find that some people will misinterpret those scriptures. But homosexuality is not the hate sin of the Bible. It is stereotyped in our culture today. It is not the worst sin in the Bible. But at the end of the day, I want you to understand, the Bible still says it is a sin. Every time it is mentioned, we are told not to do it. And these verses are like fences around a marriage between a man and a woman that reflect that majestic relationship between a holy God. And the fence protects us physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and even sexually. And so what happens is we come to a matter of choice when we see a fence. Do we climb over the fence and malign God's word? Or do we honor the fence and align our lives with God's word? Choice comes down to either maligning or aligning yourself with God's word. Now that brings us to several issues. And I want you to listen as I rapidly fire through this stuff. Why are some people gay? Why, why do some people find themselves attracted to members of the same sex? And I'm going to give you common things that I hear basically when I counsel with people or I talk with people or somebody asks me to talk with a person. These are kind of the things that come up commonly in my discussions with them. All right? Some say it's environment. They say, I was raised a certain way, my mom was this, my dad was that, my home was awful as a kid, so, so I was drawn to a, 
a masculine love that I never had or a feminine love that I never had. And some people came through it fine if they came from a, a, a bad home environment and emerged as heterosexuals. Others develop same-sex attractions. But they'll go back and they'll say it's environment. Others point to a situation in their past. Maybe it was an older friend or a trusted relative who took indecent sexual liberties, whether they were homosexual or heterosexual. It happens more than you think. Parents, talk to your kids about this. Don't think everybody in your family, don't assume Everybody in your family is on the up and up. And if your kids bring something to your attention, you have to deal with it. You can't sweep it under the rug. Because it's not how you deal with sin. By the way, this, your identity is not bound up in your sexuality, and we've talked about that. It's bound up in your relationship with Christ, and some people come through someone taking advantage of them sexually, and they, they come through, and they persevere, and they're okay. And others, it, it causes confusion and, and questions about sexual orientation. It, it causes neurons to fire in the brain, synapses to fire in the brain that was never intended to to fire at such a young age and it causes tremendous harm some people say well it's chemical i hear this one a lot they say i got this gay gene i got this gay gene the gay community says the reason is because I have a gay gene. People say it all the time. It's in our culture, and you see it on the news, and the media has accepted this is true. Time and time again, science has claimed that a particular gene or chromosomal regions are associated with behavioral traits only to withdraw their findings after they've not been replicated. So what happens is the scientific community comes out and says, hey, we believe we found the gay gene. Then the news media reports it. Then somebody challenges their scientific finding. They back up and go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe we're not as solid or accurate in our conclusion as we thought we were. But the media never reports the retraction. Matter of fact, listen to some quotes. Dr. Joe Gellenter, he says, he's, he's a professor at Yale. He says, unfortunately, this is, by the way, Yale University. He says, unfortunately, it's hard to come up with many findings linking specific genes to complex human behaviors that have been replicated. All were announced with great fanfare. All were greeted unskeptically in popular press. All are now in disrepute. He says there is no gay gene. It's never been found. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, that five years from now, that five years from now, they come out with a, and find a gay gene. Are you saying, Pastor, is that going to rock your world? No, because it still doesn't take away the issue of free will and personal choice. 
We can all choose to stay on the right side of the fence or we can choose to climb the fence and go over to the other side. Listen to what Proverbs 18, 17 says. The one who states his case first seems right until others come and examine him. And so it seems right when people say, hey, there's a gay gene, because we have now heard that in our culture for 20 years. Since the genome experiment and all of that, we've heard this thing that there's this gay gene, and we've heard it, and we've heard it, and we've heard it. We've heard it so much, we accept it as true, and we rarely go, okay, so where is that exactly at? Grab your DNA portfolio and point to the nuclei, point to the whatever it's called, that gives you the gay gene. Let's say your child doesn't do their homework when school starts a week from Tuesday. And they say, well, mom, I just have a lazy gene. Let's just say your son has a proclivity to drive down I-75 at 105 miles an hour. And I say, Mom, it's no big deal. I have a speed gene in my DNA. Your spouse cheats on you. Rips your soul out from your heart and he or she looks at you and says honey i don't know what the big deal is i'm just wired that way i got the adultery gene so why is it we give the free pass to the gay gene why is it that that doesn't seem as outlandish as the adultery gene or the sexual promiscuity gene Or that I want to have sex at the age 13 gene. Listen to what Dr. Jeffrey Statenover says. He got an MD from Texas University, got a master's from Harvard and Yale and MIT. This is a smart dude. He holds a degree in psychology, psychoanalyst, physics. He has taught at Yale University and is currently a practicing psychologist. Okay, here's what he wrote. He wrote, what the majority of respected scientists now believe is that homosexuality is attributed to a combination of psychological, social, and biological factors. We would say amen. That's what the Bible has said for years. See, the Bible says we all have this bent towards badness. No one taught us to be selfish, right, as a child. No, you did not as parents have a class and teach your children to lie. Those were things that just came naturally to them. You never, you didn't, nobody ever taught you how to think impure, impure thoughts. Those things just came naturally to you. No one taught us how to fight with our siblings. This behavior, which the Bible calls sin, disqualifies us from a relationship with God. You hear the gay community say things like, I am what I am, so I do what I do. I'm gay, that's what I do. They say, I just can't help it. And psychologically, it doesn't make sense because we are a combination of nature, nurture, and choice. Now, you do have some biological components 
As much as I love basketball, I never had a shot to play at the NBA. Just look at this body. But baby, when you see me in heaven, I'm going to be six foot four. Amen. Got the idea here? They say, I just can't help it. We're a combination of all that we do. And they totally exclude this whole issue of choice. I'm wearing a suit today because it's a serious subject. I made a choice. I don't like these. I don't want any more of these. I don't like this at all. I'd rather be in jeans and a t-shirt, Ohio State t-shirt, preseason number one. Football season starts this week. Listen, the gay gene has never been found. And if they do find the gay gene, then they need to keep looking for the adulterer gene. And the I like flying airplanes into tall buildings gene. And the I like going into movies and shooting up people in a movie theater gene. I mean, if we're going to explain behavior away with a gene, then every behavior you do is not a matter of choice now. It's a matter of gene. It's a matter of... Listen. Life comes down to issues of choice. Joshua got the people of Israel together in Joshua chapter 4, and he said, hey, listen, choose who you're going to serve. And then he says, if it seems evil to you to serve God, then don't live that way. He says, but if it seems right for you to serve Jehovah God, then live that way. But choose. Philosophically, it doesn't make sense. Our culture and the gay community says desire is everything. If it feels good, do it. There's no rules. There's no fences. There's no restraint in life. You're free to do whatever your heart desires. And so, just do whatever you want to do. We all got desires. Matter of fact, according to our culture, if it's their desire, desire trumps everything. Matter of fact, I know a lot of you live this way. God's word says this here, but you have this desire here. You know what scripture says. You know what you desire. And you make the choice to jump the fence and do what you want to do contrary to God's word, even though you know God's word says this. We're not much different than a non-believer. We give in to desires consistently. Others will say, well, I'm wired that way. I'm attracted a certain way. Listen, we're all sinners. And we're all attracted to some sin. Maybe it's the sin of greed or laziness or gossip or stealing. We've all sinned. And we all have sinned because Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. We have this leaning towards sin. We have this propensity to choose our desires over God's ways. But you don't get a free pass to do wrong because you have a desire to do what you do. Our responsibility is to bring our life in accordance with God's word. By the way, and then some people say, well, it's just kind of something deep within. And I, 
I love this one because I just kind of take them right to Scripture. And they'll go, you know, I, I, it just kind of comes deep within. I mean, it's just down deep. It's just kind of who I am. And your identity is not found in your sexual orientation. It is found in your relationship to Jesus Christ. Look to Mark chapter 7, verses 21 and 23. Look at what it says. They say, well, it's just kind of within me. And I agree, it's within them. But I take a different spit on it. It says, for within, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality. That's the word pornea. It's, where it's this broad word that encompasses all sexual sin. Theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within. Come from within. And they defile a person. Now, I don't know about you. I do know about you. And I know about me. All of us in this room are capable. All of us are, have the potential to commit all of these sins and to let all of those sins run wild in our heart. And if they do run wild in our heart, it's because we choose to do them. They don't just control us from within. We are not victims to our impulses. We are to exercise self-restraint, self-discipline, and self-control. Because if you don't exercise self-restraint, self-discipline, and self-control, you know what's going to happen? From within, out of the heart. You're going to have evil thoughts, sexual immorality. Man, what a laundry list. Theft, murder, adultery, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, sexuality, or sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. And out of these evil things come from within. They defile a person. Listen, Kirby Church is not a perfect church, but it's a perfect church for imperfect people. We are all sinners. We accept everybody. I want you to listen to this. We accept everybody but we don't approve of sinful behavior. Acceptance does not mean approval. We accept the sinner, but we don't applaud the sin. We hate homosexuality, amen? But we're commanded to love the homosexual, amen? We hate adultery, amen? But we're commanded to love and we love the adulterer. I mean, you could go on. We hate lying, but we love the liar. We want to smack him around a little bit, but we love the liar. Got the idea? If we live this out, how would it look? If we live this out, how would it look? How would you respond if a neighbor, if a gay couple moved in next door to you? They moved into your apartment complex. They, they moved in your... How would you respond? Would you curse them under your breath? Would you immediately talk about moving? I, I mean, how would you respond? I hope you'd be nice to them. I hope you'd have them over for coffee. 
I'd hope you would invite them to Kirby Church. I hope that you would build bridges and draw lines. And that's an important phrase. I hope that you would build bridges, but draw lines. I hope you stop drinking the Kool-Aid of the culture and know and know how to and share truth and the love of God in a manner that reflects the heart of God. Remember, we're under the lordship of Jesus Christ and we're under the authority of the scripture. We build bridges to the lost, but we draw lines in the sand when we know where we stand and we know what we believe. Isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, the woman at the well... In John chapter 4, she was probably the town prostitute, had five husbands. The one she had wasn't even her own. And Jesus built a bridge to her. He said, ma'am, I've got something better than the Kool-Aid of the culture. I got living water that if you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. I got something better than the culture's Kool-Aid. I got everlasting life. And he built a bridge to her. But he also wasn't afraid to say, when she said, I have no husband, she said, are you kidding me? You got five, and the man you're living with right now is not your own. Can you imagine the moment of embarrassment she must have felt? And we're not out to embarrass anybody, but we are out to reach out to everyone. We're to build bridges, but also we have to know where we stand and where we, what we believe and why we believe it. Got it? So, let me just kind of turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Here's the truth. Because we're to speak the truth in love. We're to speak the truth in love. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the idolaters, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Amen? Such were some of you. Man. I'm glad I am a were, aren't you? Such were some of you, but you were washed, not with the Kool-Aid of the culture. You were washed with the living, pure word of God Almighty. You were washed with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And it didn't forgive some sin except for sexual sin. It forgave all sin, irregardless of what genre the sin may fall in. It's all sin to God. And Jesus died to to pay the debt for all sin. And he shed his blood to pay the debt for all sin. And he paid the debt for all sin. And that's what some of us were. He said, you were, but now you're sanctified. You're justified in the name of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. And that just kind of makes you... It's what we were. I don't care how long you've been saved, you were on that list somewhere between verses 9 and 10. But thank God for verse 11. 
Has God cast off the homosexual, the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender community? Absolutely not. He died for them just as much as he died for you. He died for the sins of the whole world. Does God have a special love for Christians and this holy hatred of a homosexual, gay, lesbian, transgender, bi community? Absolutely not. God loves the entire world. Such as some of us were. Let's wrap this up. Turn to Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Or write it down and look on the screen. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And this is where we're at in our culture. We are the people who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness to light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's where we're at in the culture. We all, most of us have the Kool-Aid mustache. And and we've drunk the Kool-Aid of the culture for so long. That we've taken what we call evil good. And good evil. And darkness light. And light dark. And we've got everything all flipped upside down. And it's time we stop drinking the Kool-Aid of our culture. And stand up and speak up openly, firmly, and lovingly. About the issues in our culture. We have to know know what the Bible says so that we can build bridges and draw lines in the sand. Now I want you to know five things about your church. I want you to know five things. Number one, we believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.10, and at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In other words, he is Lord, he is sovereign, and he is supreme. We believe that everything comes under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Mike Trimble, senior pastor, lead pastor of Kirby Church, is not the head of this church. This isn't my church. It is Jesus' church. I just get the privilege to serve here a while. Secondly, we believe in the authority of God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So we believe in the authority of God's holy word. Third thing, where we will plant ourselves is we will love all people we will love all people why because jesus loved all people he said in john 13 34 a new commandment i give to you that you love one another just as i love you you are also to love one another we're to love all people number four is we're going to respect everyone Now, even though I believe homosexuality is a sin, I believe Scripture teaches that, I'm still going to respect the person. 1 Peter 2.17 really doesn't give me an option. It says, honor everyone. Honor everyone. Honor the homosexual? Yes. Honor the Supreme Court judges who I think made an improper decision? Yes. Honor, honor congressmen and senators who don't have enough backbone to stand up and state what they believe. Yes. Honor the thief. Mm-hmm. Not what they do. We are not applauding the sin. But every person 
even in their sinful state, is created in the image of God. And that alone demands we show respect to our fellow human beings. Let me give you the last one. We will be a place that stands on God's word. We will be a place that speaks the truth in love. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I will hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So here's what I would suggest. If you're struggling with sin, sexual sin or any sin, I want you to confess it. Sexual sins are not the the hate sins of the Bible. It's all sin. Remember the list? You had everything from greed, theft, lying to to immoral sexuality to lovers of men. I mean, it was all, it's all, it's all sin. And if you're struggling with sin today, confess it as sin. Confess the sin. And then if you have issues with same-sex attraction, sexual orientation whether it's heterosexual or homosexual. It is a complicated issue. Matter of fact, psychiatrists, behavioralists, sociologists really have a hard time defining, at least on an academic basis, what a homosexual is. It's a complicated, and it has many layers to it. I would suggest you start by calling... Jeff Caldwell at Wounded Hearts, 734-77-3315. Now, it's not his area of expertise, but I think if you meet with him once or twice, he'll be able to point you in a right direction, connect you with a counselor that can best help you work through the issues that you face. And then the third thing I would say is stay connected to Kirby Church. Stay connected to the church. Whether you're saved or lost, you're going to hear things you, you may not like to hear, but we're still going to keep preaching the truth in love. We're still going to keep building bridges and, and drawing lines in the sand. We're still going to hold to the authority and inspiration of God's word, but we're also going to have a high view of the lordship of Jesus Christ and that everything, everything, everything bows to the name of Jesus that is above all others. Well, I want to thank you for praying and listening and being engaged. I want to challenge you no longer to drink the Kool-Aid of the culture, but let's drink the pure living water of God's word and let's discover what God...